I always like to have a little bit of show and tell. And since we got younger folks here today, a little more show and tell is helpful. <laughs> I wanted to uh, tell the young man that's just graduated from grade 12 that when I was graduating from a college class, I kept telling my wife, when I get out, I'm going to do so-and-so. And she said, don't say that. This has got a prison in this town. <laughs> uh, well, my topic for today is actually some fun things. The name of the lesson is called How to Tame Tension. Well, how do you tame tension? A little bit of lightheartedness can help to tame things down a little bit. Uh, all the little stories you hear about what vehicle did the um, apostles travel in? What kind of a car? One accord. One accord, yep, that's it. <laughs> the scripture says the disciples were all in one accord. A little different name, <laughs> but it's a way of remembering that verse, right? Uh, so it's kind of a fun thing to do. And who's the smallest man in the Bible, just by name at least? Bill Dad the shoe height. Oh, he's probably bigger, right? <laughs> Bill Dad the shoe height. Now you've got to go and find that guy and find out how tall he really was. <laughs> anyway, lightheartedness can, can really help. So let's take a look at a scripture first and then we'll talk some more about other things here. But let's turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is called the Beatitudes when it starts in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, a little story about this is that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Started off with the Beatitudes. It must have been that Matthew regarded this piece of scripture, the Sermon on the Mount, as the epic um, of Jesus' teachings. Uh, I wrote this sideways in small print. <laughs> Jesus' teachings of which he, his whole ministry was an illustration on the very heart of Jesus' teachings. So he starts off with the whole thing at one time, kind of. And then he's going to break it down through the rest of the book of Matthew and through Jesus' life. The other Gospels tell some of the stories that, that Matthew didn't cover and so on. But this is going to be um, a main punchline, you might say. Starts right off running, you might say, into his subjects and his topic. And uh, that's good for us, too, to know what's going on, where it's going. I'll get to a little more of that as we go along here. But Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start at verse 25, which is not the beginning of the story. It's almost in the middle of the Beatitudes and the, the uh, Sermon on the Mount. I'm starting kind of in the middle. So um, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, I'll start from there and read on down a ways. I guess to the end of the chapter. Verse 25, there's a, par a paragraph break that somebody put in, some man-made 
uh, mark was put in because in the originals there are no marks, there's no paragraphs, there's no periods, no commas. It's kind of tough reading when you don't have those. Anyway, let's start at verse 25. Wherefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And you know that's really counter to what we're usually thinking because it's, you know, I don't want to be hurt, you know, I'm going to defend myself, I'm going to, you know, whatever. So um, he's asking us to think outside of the box already. So uh, don't uh, take no thought for your life. What you shall eat or what you shall drink, or yet for your body what you shall put on, is it not the life more than meat, food? Isn't life more than the food? And the body more than raiment, clothing that you put on? The raiment? Uh, isn't, isn't the body more important? Isn't the spiritual life more important than the clothing that you put on? That's what he's getting at here. Behold the fowls of the year, for they sow not, they don't sow their seeds, neither do they reap, when the crop grows up and they don't cut it and bring it in, nor gather it into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? So think about, it. okay, the birds do this and so on. And aren't you more important to the Heavenly Father than a bird? Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> the birds sing very nicely and they behave themselves well. Mankind is a mess. Okay, uh, we sure need God's help. Verse 27. Which of you can take thought, just think this, think this idea up, and you want to add a cubit to your stature, a cubit, how, you know, you, you wonder well, what size is a cubit, it's from underneath here to the top of your finger. Sometimes they say, well, this much. It's pretty close to the same amount, but from the tip of your finger down to here, that's a cubit. Can you add that to your height just by thinking about it? You can't. So the challenge is on in, in Jesus' discussion. Uh, Verse 28, why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. They don't make uh, wool into yarn. They don't take flax and turn it into yarn. There's no spinning of this into, into a cloth. They don't toil that way. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory and his fancy clothing was not arrayed like one of these, one of the birds. Phenomenal colors in the birds and, you know, the geese and the ducks and the you know, fancy little birds and all those. Um, you know, Solomon wasn't dressed like that. Verse 30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, and today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not uh, much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Um, total trust. That's what I wrote in my line in the Bible. Total trust. Do we have that total trust 
that we know God takes care of flowers in the field, he takes care of the grasses of the field, and, and you think he can't take care of us? That's wrong thinking. You're belittling God. You're downplaying his abilities. Verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Gentiles, oh my. Those were people that were not a part of God's family. They were not believers until after Christ died and they went out and preached to the Gentiles. These people had no hope. Another scripture does say that they had no hope. And this is what the Gentiles are after is their food, their clothing, and their, uh, so they'd fight for it. Jesus is giving something different here. For your heavenly Father knoweth what ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. No thought. He just oh, don't we plan a little bit? Don't we pray about it? Don't we try to figure out some way of making this a little better for our actions? Yeah, we should be praying. But this is anxious thought. This tension. Do we have tension in our desires and in our prayers? Or are we looking to the Heavenly Father the right way? Therefore, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought uh, for the things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. Uh, I wonder about that word evil there, but the troubles and tribulation that are in that day, there's plenty there already. Don't add to it. That's how I get it. Don't add to it. So when we start thinking of uh, these thoughts, we think of things that we should be doing is concentrating on relaxing. That kind of influence can influence us. Cultivate a sense of humor. I've even got instructions to ministers of how to lighten up, you know. It's said for ministers to lighten up a little bit, okay? Um, to control extraordinary, what's this word? Extravagant ambitions. Extravagant. Sometimes we have these ambitions, whether it's this or that or that, or this idea or this product or whatever, and we get all excited about that one item that we have to have. Cooperate with the inevitable. Sometimes you're just not going to be able to change the world. Somebody built it that way and somebody ruined it that way and we just, we have to go with some of the things. So we'll talk about that. And consistently trust in the Lord. Get our mind off of those things. Get our mind on the Lord and what he would have us do and how we'd serve him. So in, um, in that, I started thinking about, well, we all have these kind of things around the house. This one happens to be calm plus calcium. <laughs> sometimes I need it. I hope to, not too often. But sometimes we have something where we take a spoonful of this and put it in a little drink and 
and it's got the calcium and so on that helps us calm down, lowers the blood pressure, okay? Or we have some other tablets, some health aids of one kind or another. Tension tamer tea, and uh, you probably know what I'm talking about. Restful health. We need it. We need to relax. We need to calm down so that we can get our rest. Sleep aids, you have to be real careful what you're talking about, but herbal cures or aids are sometimes not as dangerous as some that you can get from the drugstore, so try to avoid those. Um, our world is full of anxiety, and we sometimes have to have a way of coming down off of the hype. Uh, every once in a while, something would happen in our world, and still does, and I'd... Uh, come back to reality and tell Pearl, I've got to calm down, but I feel like running around the house 10 times and jumping over the roof. <laughs> that is too much hype. So in lightening up, the, these, these pro there's some products out there in Christian bookstores, like these little things where you, every day you tear off a page, uh, each day of the year you tear off a page. And uh, this one happens to be 1995, so I've had this quite a while. <laughs> and I love the comedy in here. So let me read you just a couple from here. Show you what, what you can do with commonplace things. Uh, here's a picture of the doctor all trussed up with ropes to the ceiling holding up his limbs and he's all, all every limb is wrapped pretty well. And the lady has sat down beside him. He's got a monitor on him. But the lady says, I heard you were here, Pastor, but I didn't want to cancel our counseling session. No matter how sick he was, she was going to be there for her counseling session. Um, and then here, here's one I just really love. The pastor is kind of sneaking in and he's looking around the corner to see how the audience is doing out there. At the same time, he's got a his sermon is hanging down the side so you can see the title of the sermon. And it says, Hell, he's going to be giving him a hard sermon. And at the other hand, he's adjusting the thermostat. <laughs> he's going to warm up the room <laughs> they're going to get his message for sure uh, <laughs> then there's one here the pastor's got his hands on the uh, on the pulpit and he's talking if you will fill out your temperature preferences card and drop it in the offering plate we will average them all together and adjust the thermostat accordingly. <laughs> There's always something, something funny about church. We should be able to see the light side of some of those things. And those really happen, you know. Um, here's one. I, I love this one, too, so I put a marker in here. The cleaning lady with her little hair, with her little bun on the back, and she's standing at the pastor's desk, and you can see the writing backwards church office, and the phone rings. Uh, the pastor's talking to her. It was awesome, Pastor Bob. Right after you left, you know, everyone else on staff came down with the same garly kind of flu. But anyway, that left me to MC the Senshaw funeral last Saturday. Pastor Bob? Pastor Bob? Pastor Bob? <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, this this one's a strange one. I'll I'll leave that one out. <laughs> um,
Oh, it's a funny two ladies are talking on the sofa after church sometime, I guess. And our congregation is so small that when the minister says, dearly beloved, I get embarrassed. <laughs> uh, and here's a good one for ministers too. They've got this tall box, not so big and about so tall, and it says Acme Pastor Supply Company, this side up, and Rush Perishable. And the three board members are standing there and they've got the paper on the ground and it's up here and it's all paper about that big and looped down below. And it says instructions for installing the pastor. And then the writing on the side says, oh, here we go, the return policy. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, I think this is a side. Oh, yes. The pastor is standing at the pulpit, but the pulpit is falling backward and the papers are flying and his hair blown back and his clothing are blown back and the pulpit's you know, tipping because of the, the wind. And then the next picture has him all correctly again, ready to go. And he says, bless you. <laughs> Somebody must have sneezed with a really whopper of a sneeze. <laughs> there, there are actual things that could happen, I guess, you know, kind of. And, uh, but we can, we can enjoy, not the harshness of that could be, why does a pastor have to come in a box? And I know there's other stories about this guy wears glasses and he, because he reads too much, or you know, you could take the wrong side of some of those too. But we need to lighten up a little bit and have a little bit of humor in our life. That helps us to calm down. In uh, Philippians, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I would only need one item or the other and you'd recognize the rest. But it says, uh, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, that's Philippians 4 verse 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... If there be any praise, what do you do with all of that? Think on these things. Don't be thinking about all of those scattered things over there that's going to give you nervous trouble and tension and heartache. And Think on these special things, good and honest things that are going to be uplifting and encouraging to anybody that reads it. We should be reading those things. Okay. Um, you know, we wonder sometimes, what can we do Sabbath afternoon, or how can we relax? And I started thinking about the hills. We took a drive in the hills, and we marveled at how God made the hills, and how the trees were there, how the flowers were there, how the wild flowers by the billions, uh, for us to just lighten up, to just calm down, just have those around us. Um, the colors of the trees at different times, uh, whether they're pretty green when they're first coming out in, in leaf or when their leaves are dying and they're all orange. I started looking at various pictures and I thought, no, I better not come up here and hold up some pictures. But uh, really, that's where we need to be sometimes. You can get some really, really neat calendars and save those pictures because they'll calm you down too if you need to relax. Valleys. There's been times when I've been up and looking down over a valley and you just absolutely gorgeous thoughts and that you could sit down and you could pray a prayer right there. 
thanking God for all the things that he's made, all the animals and all the bugs and beetles and everything else that has to live there or, or the ecosystem would quit and die off. Uh, just thank God for those valleys that are fantastic. A stream running through it. Oh, what a vision you could get of that, right? Is, are the trees and branches close by and the rivers going through or is it a wide river and running fast or running slow? Uh, does it run into a lake? It's, it's a relaxing time that we need sometimes. Uh, listening to music, not the kind that rattles your window when somebody drives by with a car, you know, and you're in the back part of the house and, no, not that kind of music, that sounds going to be helpful. But you know the songs that are right there in those books in front of you? They can calm your spirit, quiet you down. Good Christian music, good Christian songs can calm you down, help. Uh, soothing, hymns. Uh, meditate on God's promises. And I got to thinking about the, the Psalms and the Proverbs. We could read those every so often, read a portion of them, even if we wanted to space it out in, in a half a dozen different days or times or when you're worried and troubled. The next thought is how to cultivate a sense of humor. Well, you've already caught it already today, right? There's some fun things. Uh, during the week, I was talking to some little kids, and I said, have you ever met anybody with 11 fingers? The child doesn't know whether to be happy or sad. <laughs> they say, well, you know, when you count your fingers, this one always ends up being last, and it's number 10. So there's 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, and 5 more is 11. <laughs> and the child looks at you, oh, yeah, Mom? Mommy? <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> lighten up a little bit, Okay. You know what Proverbs 17.22 says? A merry heart doth good like a medicine. Your whole body, mind, and spirit, and flesh, and bone, and everything is benefited by you having a happy time, being lighthearted, being something good in your life is happening. There's even a song like something good is happening. Uh, don't take yourself too serious. I think we sometimes get too serious all the time, <laughs> too much. Uh, the humorous side of life is, is a good way to be, too. Uh, learn to laugh at your own mistakes and your own bloopers. Um, various times when you see something where something has happened, a uh, plate of food fell on the floor or somebody broke dishes, or um, if you can just take it easier and just laugh at it and say, oh, well, it's just dishes. Um, laugh at situations and circumstances with people. Enjoy people, not enjoying their problem or their sin. Not, don't laugh at them, laugh with them to enjoy people. Our, um, don't, uh, to control extravagant ambitions. Sometimes we put it way out there on a limb where gotta have this, gotta have that, and it's detrimental to go way out there. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Let's take 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 7, and I want verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, 
Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness with in, in the fear of God. Cleanse ourselves by prayer and doing right things and getting rid of sin, stopping sinning, pray about sinning. You know, all these things that we could do for ourselves to make our lives better, to do that. The filthiness of the flesh, get rid of it. And spirit, to so get rid of the wicked, evil stuff that's around us. I've heard of people that have had so much difficulty in their home and they found out that there was evil things in their home that had to be gotten rid of. Yeah, sometimes we've got to analyze, look around. Um, we don't always do it every day, and you guys don't do it every day. But Pearl and I this week were taking some records and scratching with a knife on it, and then throw it in the trash. Scratch it on a knife and throw it in the trash. Times have passed. The person that instigated those records went wrong. I don't want people to know I got those records. What's your heritage like? They're going to say, oh, look what the pastor used to listen to. No, we don't agree with that. We're going to destroy it. Don't give it away somewhere. Just destroy it. Might have been worth a lot of money individually each because they were collector's items. I don't want to see it. I don't want anybody to get it. Just destroy it and get rid of it. So um, learn to be yourself and do what God wants you to be doing more and more, not less and less. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore seeing also, we, are, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which doth so easily beset us, and let us run the race with patience, the race that is set before us. We've got to consider, there's all these witnesses in chapter 11. They should mean something to us. That's the first thing it's saying. A great cloud of witnesses. We need to lay aside every weight. In their world, in the, uh, the Greek culture, they loved runners message carriers. So they'd put heavy weight on their ankles and they'd practice running. The weights on their back or whatever as well. They'd practice running so they got big muscles on their legs and their breathing got good and all this. Um, we don't need that weight on us. Get rid of those sins. Throw them off. Because they'll beset us. They'll have you staggering. You'll fall down or you'll get distracted from what you should be doing and run with patience that's not tribulation and horror and, and anxiety and oh, all those other things patience just be sure of what you're doing and do it well carefully run the race that is set before us find out what the race really is and what it contains how we serve the heavenly father and what he wants us to do run that race with patience I like verse uh, 13, 14, and 15 here as well. 13 says, And make straight paths for your feet. We need to make the path straight. Right? It's already built. It's already designed. It's, we, we just got to accept it and, and go on straight paths. Lest that which is lame, if you don't have straight paths, 
may be turned out of the way, stumble and fall and fall off of the path. But let it rather be healed. Fix the path, help this, the, the people that have difficulties or lame. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Oh, well, that's something you and I have to work at. Pray about it. Figure it out how we can be holy and peace with all men. It's very nearly impossible, I guess. I don't know, women, do you have trouble with men? <laughs> uh, this is for everybody, right? Male and female. Uh, <laughs> we need to um, make sure that we can run this race. Follow peace with everybody that you come in contact with. Try to keep it Keep the hassle and stuff down with holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, we want to see the Lord. We want to be righteous. We want to be there when the number is called and so on, when the Lord calls us. Looking diligently, lest any man fail. I got a circle of red around it. Fall from the faith of grace of God lest any root of bitterness spring up, troubling, trouble you, and thereby may be defiled. Look up defiling in the Old Testament and all it took care of, what it was. We don't want to fall into troubles. We don't want to defile ourselves and be embarrassed before God. We need to not have that root of bitterness. These are things that we need to know and understand and, and get ready to, to run the race correctly. So, um, learn to be yourself. Ambition is not controlled. Um, ambition, that is, if it's not controlled, can lead to unhappy and, and big strains on your life, unhappiness. So what, what did I think when I thought of that, those words? The first thing that popped in my head was Ecclesiastes. If you had all the money that you could ever want and all kinds of servants to do anything you told them to do, you'd be the writer of this. <laughs> he had all kinds of money. Anything he wanted to know about, he could put somebody to work on it. In Canada, they even had a special committee designed to find out the sex life of a bullfrog. Stupidity, isn't it? Why would you want to know that? There's nothing to gain from that. That's crazy. Now, there's got to be better things than that. Extravagant. Yeah, wrong thinking even. So here, yeah, let's turn to chapter 1, verse 8. All things are full of labor. Man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. Those last two are when you get into this wild music that they got. The wilder it gets, the more they want to hear it, the more they want to see it. And he is telling us through this whole thing, it's vanity and vanity and vanity and vanity, a waste of time. I spent all the money and I, I got people to work on the projects and it was useless when I got done. That's what he's saying through this whole book of Ecclesiastes. I've tried it, I've been there, done that, and it's useless. So we want to hear a couple of good things out of here anyway. How about, uh, how about chapter 9? First part of that verse. Chapter 9, verse 5. 
For the living know that they, will, they shall die, but the dead know not anything. We need to say, okay, he's trying to get a point across to us. First off, we could take the, the doctrinal stand that the living know that they're going to die. That's a foregone conclusion. The dead know nothing? You mean they're not somewhere singing? They know not anything? You can't communicate with them? They can't sing, they can't praise, they can't do anything. That's the dead. So you'll find doctrinal truths in here, but the living, if we're living, don't act like you're dead. Enjoy life. A spiritually correct kind of life, though. How about chapter 10, verse 20? It's the last one. Curse not the king, know not in thy thoughts, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber, for a bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Sometimes we say, don't, don't talk too loudly about this and this, and don't do that, because a little bird will tell the message. <laughs> yeah, a little bird and it'll get out. Um, but the idea is don't do these things, because there is a better way, right? Don't be talking against the king. Don't curse the rich, whether in your bedchamber in silence and quiet, uh, because it's all, Jesus said, it's all going to be made real. It's all going to come out. It's all going to show one day. So don't do those things. So as he goes on and on with this, what happens in chapter 12 and verse 12 through 14? He's summing it all up. And further by these, my son, be admonished. He's writing this for his son to learn a lesson. Be admonished. Read this book and be admonished. We, we need that. And make, the making of many books is there is no end. And much studying is the weariness of the flesh. That's students that are still in school. Well, it's for the adults too, right? Yeah, you could read all these books and you could try to gain all this knowledge and it's just a weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. We need to be looking for doing those right things. Okay, just a little more here if you bear with me. Uh, you know, we could memorize... Uh, I was reading some about how to better your Christian life. If we took that... Pardon me, the Sermon on the Mount. It's written in red. And how about if we memorized? When I was young, we did memorize the first uh, 13 verses, at least 12. Uh, well, from verse 3, where it starts in red, to verse 12, the end of verse 12, we needed to memorize that. And in the going, we learned verse 12 and 13, 14, 15 as well. Let your light so shine. We learned that one. These are all things that we could memorize, which would calm us down, right? It says persecution is going to come our way, but don't let it get you. God's on your side. They, they persecuted the righteous in the past. They'll do it again. They'll call you names. They'll do things wrong to you. They'll, but it says don't let it get to you. 
Just keep staying with God because they did it to the prophets, they did it to the disciples, they did it to Jesus. Just let it run off, just forget it, just go on serving the Heavenly Father like you really should be doing. So memorizing those things would really be helpful. And then, uh, I won't be able to read these to you, but turn with me to Luke. And then I've got to cut it off here pretty quick. Okay, turn to Luke chapter 6. And what do you got? Luke chapter 6 and verse 20. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 6 and verse 20. You're right in the Beatitudes again, right? Blessed are ye poor, and blessed are, uh, for, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are ye that hunger and thirst. We're right back to the Beatitudes again. How about if we memorize this passage or read it through and got the thoughts out of it? Because it's going to be a little different than Matthew, because this is Luke writing it. Okay, and then actually, if you take another little look at it, you can go down to from verse 20 all the way to 38, would be really good reading for today about the same measures, same idea. Uh, when you're giving people things and, and uh, God's going to pay you back, um, whether you hate your enemies or not, it's all, all in here. We need to know this stuff, really. It, it is great to know how God is going to bless us and care for us if we follow him. The last couple of thoughts here are to uh, cooperate with the inevitable. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Romans 8, 28. Maybe we can't see that. So we're worried about it. We're going to try to fix it. No, no, that's the wrong way, right? We have to sometimes roll with the punch, as they say. Just accept the punch and roll with the punch. So we can uh, get too busy, uh, too concerned about certain things. Accept situations that we cannot change. That's hard to do, but I have run across three situations in the last couple of years, and I sure wished I could force the people to think rightly, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but they don't, and you can't, can't fix them. It's not my job to fix them, is it? Suing them isn't going to help. It's not going to fix the problem. It's just going to make more trouble. But if they wanted me to recommend them, I couldn't. No. So that's how you just sort of have to go with the punches, roll with the punches. Accept situations that you cannot change. Jesus lived a relaxed life. Was he happy with the Roman government? He never said. They asked for money, for taxes. He didn't fight them. He just said, hey, Peter, you go get a fish and take the coin out of his mouth and give it as your taxes and mine. Um, he accepted the situations that he couldn't change. He was in a relaxed life. He didn't fret about difficult situations. Some things are just impossible. But they can be opportunities. And Jesus tried to find those opportunities in, in situations that were pretty, pretty strange. But he found opportunities. What's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 4? First Peter chapter three and verse four. 
chapter 3, verse 4. But let it be the hidden man. I like this because he used the word man, and it's meaning both men and women. Okay. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the adorning of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And you have to start there, stop there, because otherwise you're going to women in the next verse, right? <laughs> this is talking to everybody. We're, we've got an incorruptible seed in us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be careful with that, live properly with it. It's not the adorning of the uh, of a clothing or whatever that could be, but a meek and quiet spirit. That's this topic, right? To be tension tamer people, to be able to do something to stay calm because it's a great price, great sight. In God's eyes, he would enjoy us for all believers. Last thing I want to say here is that they consistently trust the Lord. Um, the Heavenly Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, we want to trust, trust them and accept them. In Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, Trust in him at all times. You could easily say that about Jesus in the New Testament. We know this is from Psalms, it's the Old Testament. So it's the Father and Son that we can trust. Be aware that God is with you always. Always. He sees what's going on. He sees when you're mistreated or when you're winning or losing. Practice the presence of God through the Holy Spirit in your life. Remember you are linked to the power of God through the Holy Spirit. So we're able to make these transitions or make these things work for us. We're not here on life's demands alone, but we have the Holy Spirit with us. Yield yourself to God, will, uh, God's will and his ways. Let him do the work through you. That's hard sometimes. You want to get there first and get in line, get the job done. Uh, but we actually have to hold back a little. Yield ourselves to God's will and his ways and let him do the work through us. The closing verses in uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. 20 and 31. Now the God of peace. We, we need to emulate that, right? We need to be a man of peace, a person of peace. Now the God of peace that brought you again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, this is how God was doing this, a God of peace, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you.